Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I'm your host, Dan Kenobi. I'll be with you for the next hour or so. Jam-packed episode we have for you. Jarrell, Big Baby Miller joining the program. Danny Jacobs potentially joining the program. I'm talking to his manager right now, Keith Connolly, trying to nail down Danny Jacobs. We do have Jarrell, Big Baby Miller. As we know, he's fighting November 11th on HBO. But before we get to that, a lot of stuff going on in boxing right now. We have uh, Wilder Stavern one week away. A dramatic conference call went down last week with uh, Deontay Wilder and uh, Stavern. Wilder, I think he is starting to hear the criticisms, starting to get a little bit annoyed with everything that's going on with his career right now. Obviously wanted Luis Ortiz, couldn't get him, had to settle for Bermain Stavern, a fight that not the public wasn't exactly clamoring for. And you have to think that a lot of the talk about Anthony Joshua and trying to get that fight and Joshua's popularity is starting to play is starting to get into the mind of Deontay Wilder because he touched on that in the in the conference call. Uh, but he does have a fight with Bermain Stavern one week away. It will be a rematch of their first fight, a fight where he won his title and he has defended it numerous times, but he won that title versus Bermain Stavern. One thing you can look for in this fight is that it was the only fight that of Deontay Wilder's career in which he did not record a KO. Stavern did go the distance. I don't think this one will go the distance, but nonetheless, Deontay Wilder, Stavern, one week away. In addition to that, it's also the final stretch of what has been an outstanding year in boxing. 2017 has been a boxing fan's dream. We've had so many big fights take place in 2017, and the final quarter of the year is a time when boxing kind of usually slows down after Thanksgiving. Not the case this year. We still have Wilder Stavern 2, as we talked about. Showtime Sean Porter fighting once again. Jacobs Arias on HBO November 11th. Hopefully uh, Danny Jacobs joins the show and we can talk to him about that fight in addition to what he sees in his future at 160. I saw him at Gleason's gym last week for the HBO media workout. Looking fit. Danny Jacobs looking good. He was in great spirits. He looks like he has, uh, you know, like a second wind in his career. He's 30, 30 years old, around that age, and he's ready to move forward after the Golovkin fight, which kind of like put him on the map, sort of say. Um, so Danny Jacobs looking good. He's ready for his fight with, uh, with Arias. Kovalev returns uh, November 25th on HBO, uh, new trainer. So we'll see what with Kovalev has to bring to the table, obviously coming off of back-to-back losses to Andre Ward. Uh, we also have the super fight, the hardcore boxing fan Super Bowl, Rigo Loma going down in the early December at the theater at MSG. That's a fight that's also on the calendar and a lot of people are clamoring for us. Probably the, the biggest fight remaining in 2017. We also have B.J. Saunders versus David Lemieux, December 16th, going down in Montreal in the hometown of David Lemieux. Going to be an excellent fight. So a lot of big fights in 2017 still on the calendar. But we have to start the show off with Anthony Joshua's performance Saturday night in front of 78,000 fans in Cardiff, Wales. Largest crowd for an indoor boxing match, breaking the record previously held by Ali Spinks 2 
and it beat it by 15,000 fans. I mean, when you when you turned on Showtime and you watched that fight, the first thing you saw was just a massive crowd. 78,000 fans showing up in attendance to watch Anthony Joshua fight a, a replacement fighter, a guy that took the fight on 12 days notice. Wasn't a, a it was a mandatory uh, a fight there, a mandatory defense for Joshua, but that didn't stop 78,000 fans from packing into that stadium to watch their their man Anthony Joshua and he he put on a, a good performance. Wasn't outstanding. I mean, he didn't ice him like he said he wanted to. He got him out of there in 10 rounds. And uh, you take a look at the punch stats. Anthony Joshua, what I saw from Anthony Joshua was he was measured. He was poised. He didn't exactly come out blazing, but he did enough to win the fight and look good doing so. Let's keep in mind that Anthony Joshua is only 28 years old. He is, <laughs> this is his 20th pro fight. Did he put on the same performance that he did against Klitschko? Not necessarily. People say, I thought he looked relaxed, poised, measured, any word you want to use. Some people say he looked a little bit, of, he looked a little sluggish. Maybe because he was, he was carrying some extra weight. Could that be the case? But I would like to see him go a little more to the body. He looked like he was loading up a little bit on his punches. He was throwing a lot of headshots, a lot of head. Maybe he wanted to get him out there to please the crowd of 78,000. But he only went to the body uh, for 28 body shots, which accounted for 18%. Not enough if you want to slow down these big heavyweights. So I'm sure Anthony Joshua is going to take something from this fight and move forward. Because, dude, big fights for Anthony Joshua on the horizon. Uh, but let's talk about Carlos Takam first. He was what we thought he was was going to be he was a very strong b-side i don't want to say gatekeeper because that's kind of a not the it's almost a derogatory term in boxing but but he's more than a gatekeeper he showed himself he showed great performance to come and he, he looked good i mean he had those cuts over his eyes that were nasty <laughs> he got, could barely see by the end by the 10th round and i don't have a problem with the with the stoppage i mean he was taking some a lot of punishment uh, take into account the the injury to the eyes, the cuts over the eyes. Uh, wasn't an early stoppage. That's for you to call. But you know Joshua was cruising in that fight. But Takam is a fighter that's going to be around. He's going to be a B side. Which you know, everything we've seen out of the heavyweight division is that there's a market for B sides, and there's a market in the heavy heavyweight division is on fire right now. And that's what's next for Anthony Joshua. Eddie Hearn, his promoter, went into the ring and afterwards said. And he wants to see Joshua potentially fight three times in 2018. There's some big big names out there. Obviously, Deontay Wilder is the, the guy that everyone wants to see. Joining our Inside Boxing Live right now, he is a name in the heavyweight division. He's big baby Jarrell Miller, and he joins us right now. How you doing, Jarrell? I'm good. I'm good. Chilling, chilling. I'm on my way to McDonald's. On your way to Mickey D's? Big Mac for Big Baby. Love it. Uh, you got your fight coming up here November 11th, HBO uh, at the Nassau Coliseum. You're fighting a uh, uh, watch here, the tall Polish dude. Big, big tall guy. Looks like he can play power forward for the uh, Brooklyn Nets. How have you been training for such a tall fighter? How's your training camp going? Uh, training camp's been, been well. And, uh, I don't think he was making a football. He's too clumsy. And he's way too slow. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, people people give him a lot of credit because, you know, he's been around the game for a while. He's been there with the, the best of the best for a little bit. And he lost two times he stepped up. Um, now he's fighting an uh, even bigger guy that throws more punches than the other two guys he fought. So, you know, he has a lot in front of him, and uh, I'm going to deal with him accordingly. Yeah, you talk about his his experience. He's been in the ring with uh, Pavekin. He's been in the ring with with Klitschko. Do you think come fight night he's gonna you know use those those tactics as a as a wily veteran? What are you expecting from your opponent come November eleventh? Um, I, I expect him to come come bring the fight to me uh, as much as he can. Um, but we'll see. You know, uh, you know, I hope. Ready, that's all I can say, you know, because I'll be ready. You there? Yeah, hey, you there? Yeah, go ahead. I guess you're breaking up a little bit. Can you hear me? Jarrell, can you hear me? Yeah, hey, hey, All right, go ahead. Yeah, uh, we'll start with the, yeah, moving forward, I mean, uh, you're facing the guy that's been in there with Pavekin. He's been in there with Klitschko. Are you expecting him to use some veteran tactics in the ring come November 11th? Yeah, yeah I expect him to come out and do what, do what he does. You know, uh, I'm, I'm ready for, for a great crowd. Uh, you know, uh, so it's long overdue. And uh, I'm ready to put fist to face. Of course. You're ready to put fist to face. And we're talking with big baby Jarrell Miller. Um on his way to Mickey D's. So we'll talk about well, with you. A lot of people like to talk about your, your weight and, um, but from when I saw at Gleason's gym at your workout, you can really move in that ring. Where do you expect to be fight night? Um, weight wise, as you get into the ring, uh, anywhere between 275 and 285 is the, is the goal we're looking at right now. Um, you know, when you see me at Gleason's, I was 290 that day, you know, you know, drop some weight, Feeling good. My speed is there. The power is there. So, uh, you know, the fight is right here. I don't need to, you know, drop myself on it. Can't really drop any more weight, really. You know I mean? The main thing is just being functional, you know. Throw a lot of punches and come forward. So, you know, if I can do the 296, I know I can do the 285 or 275. So, just being comfortable and just getting out of the way that, uh, gradually, you know, not, not taking no diuretics or anything like that to lose the weight, just doing it, you know, slowly and surely. Yeah, it's one thing I saw at Gleason's at that workout is you can move. I mean, you can move for a big man. So I do agree with you there that there's no difference between 10, 10 pounds. You're going to come forward and you're going to fight. But this is a very exciting time in your career. I mean, you got some big paydays coming up. You got some big names that, you're, that are being thrown around to fight with you. How do you try to, like, stay grounded and not get too far ahead of yourself when it, in terms of your career? I'm easy. I mean, I mean... I'm, I'm different from a lot of guys, you know. I have kind of like the same routines I've been doing from the beginning of my career. You know, the only thing I probably added in is, you know, just, you know, eating habits and just uh, staying away from the parties and stuff like that. But usually I'm doing the exact same thing I've been doing since I was an amateur, you know. I've always been a gym rat. I always find a way to, you know, keep myself busy in the gym and have fun when I work out. So um, I think they're doing the same thing. It's not really changing up the patterns that got me here, you know. You know, um, so like I said, my circle's always been small. It probably will be small, you know. And I don't plan on really adding too much to it, you know, just having fun and do what I do. 
Now, I know you watched the Joshua fight on Saturday night. What did you see there from the big man overseas? Man, what did you see? Oh, what I saw. What I saw from Joshua was he was poised. He was a little more measured than he was against Klitschko. He threw the same amount of jabs as he did uh, power punches. I thought the, the headbutt kind of gave him a little adversity, but he powered through. I wouldn't say it was a great performance. I would say it was a very solid performance for a guy that, what, has 20 fights in his career? Oh, okay, okay. Well, this is how I see it. You're, you're trying to be not too biased, and I told you the sandwich. Now, if I give you the, 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 the if I was a complicated, I'd say, listen, he looks very stiff. He looks like he has way too much muscle on. He's for, for a heavyweight that has 20 fights, that can't Olympic bags, and I spent way more money than he did. His footwork was very, very as well, you know, for a guy that's a small opponent like the cop, um, you know, the cop didn't do enough to win the fight, but I definitely was a early stoppage, and the cop definitely was coming back on him with added some shots and combinations in there. Um, to me, now I'm looking from a fighter standpoint, I'm a, a big baby, he looked like total shit, because he drew, plain and simple, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Jarrell Miller getting ready for his fight November 11th on HBO. Now, how do you watch these fights? Um, I mean, do you watch with your buddies? Do you watch alone? Are you are you zoned in? I'm always curious at how fighters watch big fights, especially ones that have like direct implications on yourself. Uh, it all depends. Sometimes I'll be, I'll be on the move. Sometimes I gotta just look a, look a, look a link on my phone or something like that. Or yeah. If I'm in the house, I'll, I'll tune into the network. It all depends. You know? uh, sometimes I'll be on Instagram and I'm So, talk a little bit about your fight at Nassau Coliseum, Long Island. I know you're from Brooklyn, but you reside in Long Island. How important is it for you to fight in front of your hometown friends and family as your career is really starting to amp up right now? No, I mean, I mean it's, it's always great. It's always great, man. You know, I'm, uh, it's fun. Uh, it's exciting. You know, I, I can't wait. Uh, it's long, long, long overdue. Uh, but, uh, like I said, you know, you can take it for what it is. And you gotta just guard your perform, and um, you know, bigger and better things will come. And uh, the main thing is just stay focused and stay a course. Well, one thing going back to your fight with Watch here, big tall guy. Obviously, you're rumored to fight anyone from Anthony Joshua 
to Deontay Wilder. Is that does that play a role in in your decision for here, or, or is there something you can take away from fighting a tall fighter? Because you might be in the ring come 2018 with some really tall heavyweights. Yeah, I mean a lot of these guys are tall. Um, some of them are very very okay skill. Not a lot of them are very skilled. If you really watch them, they don't really have really good jab. I don't think none, none of these guys would have a better jab than me. I can tell you that for sure. You know, uh, then I'm going to the body as much as I do, and nobody has the best footwork as I do. So, like I said, I mean, they're okay. They're, 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 they're there. But, uh, you know, every fight man experience, you know, I've knocked out guys told in a walk before. You know, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm, walk is nothing I've never seen before. You know, maybe he's more slower than a lot of other fighters that I fought at, at his height. So, um, you know, I, it's not, nothing you can do to go surprise. You know, I'm, I watched his footage over 100 times that I watched his fights. I watched his best performances where he lost in his best performances. So there's nothing he's not going to be able to pull on me that I haven't seen before. And he's sparring Derek Chisora. So that, that right there is a big no-no on his part. He sparred somebody that's one-dimensional that comes forward, doesn't have a lot of power, slaps, you know, been knocked out a couple times. So, you know, I'm nothing like a Derek Chisora. So I don't know where these English and these Brits come out with a Derek Chisora style, but... Now, Jarrell, we get a, let's get a prediction from you. What happens fight night with you on uh, Saturday, November 11th? How does it end? Yeah, I see it. I see it. I see it. All right, Jarrell, before we let you go, a message for the heavyweights. You're a name in the division. You're in a very good spot right now. What is your message to the Anthony Joshua's, to the Deontay Wilders out there, to the Joseph Parker's, anyone who has a belt right now? What is your message to these guys? Yeah, everybody has a belt right now. You guys are belt holders. Nobody wants to be the undisputed heavyweight champion. Well, they just talk to talk. But you know, a lot of them are not really walking the wall. But like I said before, they can run, but they can't hide for so long. Big baby members come in one fight at a time, and soon the whole world will know my name. Love it. Love it, man. Enjoy your lunch, and I will see you on fight night. That's Jarrell Miller. Thank you, man. There he is. Jarrell Big Baby Miller. Very confident fighter. A very, uh, he's in a good spot right now. He's in a very good spot. He's moving over to HBO. I'm not sure how much that impacts him, a potential fight with uh, Wilder or a potential fight with Joshua. It's a very fluid situation, as we know in boxing, but... Jarrell Miller is not someone that's going to shy away from opponents. He uh, didn't really wasn't impressed with Anthony Joshua's performance. He said he saw a guy that had too much muscle on, a guy that was headhunting too much, a guy that he thought didn't have the footwork that he has. I'll tell you what, I would love to see Anthony Joshua step in the ring with Big Baby Miller. And if it happens in, in, in the U.S., it happens at the Barclays Center, phew, man, that would be unbelievable. That would be a big one because I think that Miller – Needs the platform to sell. I don't think, I mean, I, what I'm trying to say is I think that Miller could, with the right platform, could really market himself and, and sell that fight. And for Anthony Joshua to come over to, to the States, I mean, we know he's eventually going to do that. I mean, Matchroom is moving their stable or potentially, you know, expanding to the U.S. So why not do that against a guy named, you know, Jarrell Miller? But he's on his way to Mickey D's. <laughs> I wanted to ask him about his weight, and I was thinking of a 
you know, you don't want to bring up someone's weight like that because it's kind of a criticism about him, but it doesn't seem like it's something he's shying away from. What are you up to? I'm on my way to Mickey D's to get a, a Big Mac and a large fry. So he's not worried about his weight, and I was at Gleason's gym for his workout. The dude can move. He's got really good footwork. He can move in and out. Like he said, he cold watch a, a punching bag. He's going to get him out of there in the ninth and, or tenth round. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see that, but I'm looking for big things from Jarrell, big baby Miller. I'm happy he joined the program. He's a, a guy that is going to be a force in 2018, and it's going to be hard for a lot of these fighters to avoid. It's time for In Case You Missed It. A lot of stuff going on in the world of boxing right now, so we'll try to catch you up to speed in the crazy world of boxing. Our first item comes from North Carolina, Haseem Rockman Jr., did you guys hear this story? It is wild. So Haseem Rockman Jr., of course, son of uh, legendary heavyweight Haseem Rockman, uh, had a fight. His was only his second fight of his career. He was going, going up against a guy making his debut. He, uh, Rockman was in the ring. His fight, the, his opponent walked into the ring. They did the fighter introductions, and then he decided that he didn't want to fight. So he left the ring, went back to his locker room. There was a lot of confusion from everything I'm reading, and uh, 30 to 40 minutes later, I guess the opponent of Rockman Jr.'s uh, handlers or his promoter went in there and said, you better get in the ring and fight. But we do see that Haseem Rockman Jr. has another fight November 4th, and uh, let's hope his opponent in that one decides to get into the ring. Our next item, in case you missed it, Terrence Crawford. There is no denying that he will be entering the ring. When? Uh, we don't know, but he is going to be mandated by the WBO to fight Jeff Horn. Uh, there was a rumor that it could happen in March. Uh, this is a fight that I really like. I mean, we had Jeff Horn calling out Mayweather. Jeff Horn calling out uh, McGregor. And I said on the last show, why doesn't Jeff Horn call out someone in his weight class? Why doesn't Jeff Horn call out someone that he can actually fight, like a realistic fight? And Terrence Crawford... Versus Jeff Horn, it makes a lot of sense for ESPN. It's a fight that can happen in maybe Las Vegas. It's a great chance for Terrence Crawford to introduce himself to a new weight division at 147. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. It's two tall, rangy fighters. And it's a fight that you know a lot, a lot of fans want to see. Um, some people have a problem with Terrence Crawford maybe getting a title shot in his first fight at 147. But, you know, it's a lot of, I mean, if you want to bring that up, how about all the fighters that get title shots that don't deserve it? How, you know, we're talking about a guy in Terrence Crawford that cleaned out the 140-pound division, undisputed 140-pound champ. So I have no problem with him fighting for a title right off the bat. If anything, it just accelerates the process of him fighting either Errol Spence or Keith Thurman or whoever has all the belts at 147. So I'm all for it. Uh, moving forward with, in case you missed it, uh, Orlando Salido. His fight with Burchelt is off. Uh, Burchelt hurt his hand. That fight is off, but there is one scheduled for Salido. He'll be fighting Roman. I believe it's going to stay on December 9th on HBO. I'll tell you what, Salido is a, is a fighter that fans want to watch. I mean, I wanted to see Salido versus Vargas rematch because that was hellacious. <laughs> Those were two guys laying it all on the line. Unfathomable punishment by both guys. But, you know, anytime Salido steps into the ring, I will, I will watch. So uh, that's a, a fight to look forward to 2017 as we end the year on a, on a high note. There's a lot of fights in December, and uh, that's one of them. 
Another fight in December, in case you missed it, is made between BJ Saunders and David Lemieux, December 16th from Montreal on Showtime. I'm sorry, on HBO, not on Showtime. That is going to be a good one. I mean, uh, you have BJ Saunders, who's going to play the, the protagonist in this fight. He, he talks a lot of trash. You know, he had his in his last fight, he had his son go up there and, and punch Monroe uh, below the belt in the weigh-in. That's another thing I've never seen before in the, the sport of boxing. But not a lot of people care for, for BJ Saunders. You know, I was walking around Gleason's gym last week, and people are talking about, you know, who, who do you like in Saunders-Lemieux? Because it's a 50-50 fight if you, if you want to look at it on paper. And a lot of people are saying, I like, I like Saunders. I like his style. I think it, it travels well. I think that he can. he's a little more technical than Lemieux, but I want to see him knocked out. I want to see him flattened. And I think that's what a lot of people are thinking, and he's going to be in the ring with David Lemieux, who we all know is a KO artist. We all know is a guy that wants to get back into the discussion at 160. He got decimated by, by Golovkin, got, out, got jabbed to death. I'm sure he wants Canelo. I'm sure Lemieux wants Danny Jacobs. I'm sure he wants all the big names. So, And this is also a title fight. I mean, Saunders has a belt. So if Lemieux should win this fight, it puts him in a very good position to take on some of the other uh, title holders at 160. Same thing for Saunders. If he wins the title, uh, if he wins the fight, puts him in a great spot. So that's another fight to look forward to, 2017 Lemieux and Saunders. In case you missed it, uh, Adelaide Bird, Adelaide Bird is back, and she's judging again. Uh, this is ridiculous, but also. Is can you can you just I mean you've got to believe it I and mean, it's boxing I mean Adelaide Bird supposedly got suspended by uh, the commissioner Bob Bennett but did she really because there were no fights in between the Triple G fight and the fight that she's supposedly back on as a Mayweather Promotions card so she didn't miss out on any paydays she wasn't technically suspended from anything. I mean, it's it's it is a joke. I mean, it is what it is. Let's call it what it is. It's it's a joke that she's allowed to judge again. It's a joke that she didn't really get any punishment from this, besides in the public eye. But she's back, and she's judging, and it's on a Mayweather card. So uh, read between the lines there. I know Floyd Mayweather has a lot of pull in Las Vegas, and he has a lot of pull with that commission. So I don't really think it's a coincidence that Adelaide Bird is back judging, especially in Las Vegas, on a Floyd Mayweather promotions card. Uh, moving forward, in case you missed it, 30 million people didn't miss the fight between Endom and Murata on ESPN. Think about that for one second. 30 million people in Japan tuned into this fight. One out of every three homes was watching this title fight between Murata and Endom. Staggering, staggering number. Murata is promoted by uh, Bob Arum. Live look at Bob Arum right now. He's smiling ear to ear, salivating at the thought of Murata going up against some of the biggest names in 160. Think about the the revenue that he can tap into in Japan. I mean, there's one thing that Top Rank is good at. It's marinating and it's tapping into markets. They tapped into that Macau market beautifully. So now they have a they have a they have a champ at 160. And he's going to be, uh, they're going to try to get him some big fights. I, I like it. I mean, what's not to like it? Boxing is an international sport. It's a worldwide sport. 
And Top Rank knows that, and they know that they can bring this guy to ESPN potentially. They already did bring him to ESPN, but maybe not at 7 a.m. I know that us at CompuBox, we're counting that uh, that fight waking up at 7 a.m. Not the, not the greatest thing, but I expect Murata to be in big fights down the line. Bob Arum's going to try to get him into the ring with the, the, big, the big heavy hitters at 160. And if you're a guy like B.J. Saunders, if you're a guy like Canelo, uh, Danny Jacobs, Triple G, why not fight a guy that can bring 30 million viewers? Think of all the money potential this is prize fighting think of all the money that you could potentially make fighting a guy like that but nick is that all we got i think so dan um unless we want to talk about the uh jim lampley thing um calling out made the mayweather fight or yeah or something i don't know what, what do you what do you what do you hear about that he did he did uh tmz caught lampley going to his car and they said, oh, well, you know, Floyd posted, uh, Floyd posted a video of him working out. Do you think he's going to get uh, McGregor again? And Lampley, he, they must have caught Lampley at a good time because he just went off. He called the fight a scam in not so many words. Uh, he said that, that Mayweather basically threw the fight by letting McGregor win the first three rounds. Uh, he said that, you know, the, the guy brought up, would it be a risk for, for Mayweather to fight McGregor again? And he said, a risk? Are you kidding me? Like Floyd Mayweather and the word risk do not coincide, as only Jim Lampley can say. And it's interesting because Mayweather did post the video on Instagram of him working out. That's not a coincidence. You know, Floyd, everything Floyd does, especially on social media, we'll get into Twitter haters next, speaking of social media, but everything that Floyd does is calculated. We know this. He's a businessman. So when he posts a video of him hitting the heavy bag, whether it, have, it could have been from a year ago, but he posted it last week, got the people thinking – TMZ, as they do, they chase down Lampley. Got a very candid response from Lampley. Made some headlines. And here we are now. But that's it for In Case You Missed It. Joining us now inside Boxing Live, he's the miracle man, Danny Jacobs. He fights November 11th at Nassau Coliseum on HBO. Danny, how's it going, my man? Uh, everything's going great. Uh, a little under two weeks out. So just finishing up the, the little touches and making sure... No turn is un uh, no stone is unturned, and uh, feeling great about the whole situation. Looking ready for to put on a great show for New York City. Yeah, you'll be fighting there at the uh, Nassau Coliseum, HBO. Lu Luis Arias, uh, interesting stare down between you two. A lot of chirping going back and forth. How hard is it for you not to look past a fighter with? Some good wins in his career, as you obviously have your sights set on bigger and and great things in the middleweight division. It's not really hard. I mean, when you're professional, I mean, it kind of comes naturally to you. As you know, this is boxing, and, and and if you know anything about boxing, anything can happen. So if you look at it from that perspective, you always kind of kind of be on your P's and Q's. Um, I understand that he isn't the biggest threat, but he still is a threat. And uh, I have to take him as serious as the next man because, you know, anytime that you look over any opponent, you know, whether it's physically, mentally, you know, he can some some way, somehow slip through the cracks. And, you know, we definitely don't want to do that. We want to look as pressive as we possibly can. And uh, we want to get to victory in whatever manner that he comes in. Yeah, they say in boxing, uh, one punch can change anything. So you're absolutely right. That's the type of mentality. 
that you got to keep. Let's talk about your, your move to Matchroom USA. It was a move that surprised many, but looking back at it now, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, is that something that you, you seeked out? Did you seek out uh, other promoters, or did Eddie Hearn come to you? Well, I mean, I have my manager, Keith Conley. Thanks mm-hmm. for that. He's, uh, he's been down with me since I was uh, 16, 17 years old. And uh, you have anybody who you know cares about you in the manner that he does and our relationship being so great, you know, I just trust in him in the direction that he's taking my career. So uh, as far as detail, you know, I can't really give out too many details as far as how it all happened, how it all came about, but I, I am grateful that it happened. And I'm grateful that I have all these opportunities that uh, are presenting itself. And, you know, I'm totally looking forward to taking advantage of them. Now, obviously, you don't want to look past Luis Arias, as you stated uh, before, but you, you made the move to HBO. You made the move to Matchroom Boxing because you want to get into the big fights. You fought Triple G. You put up a great performance. I want to talk to you about Canelo Alvarez. We saw what you did with Triple G. How do you think you stack up with a fighter the likes of Canelo? It's a fight that the fans want to see, and and it's a fight that I mean, a lot of the, the boxing fans and and the boxing writers, they all want to see. But how many how many fights? How many times do you want to fight in uh, in 2018? Well, I'll be fighting at minimum three times in uh, 2018. It's going to be a very busy year for me. Uh, something that I'm very grateful for because all boxers want to stay busy and active and give the fans what they want to see. So I'm just grateful that I have fans that are. You know, supporting me, and they're just excited as, uh, seeing me on HBO as I am, and uh, I'm looking forward to taking advantage of it. You talk about HBO, and, and you have fought on HBO before the fight with Triple G, and earlier in your career. But this is like the first time that they're really investing in you. What do you think a platform like HBO can do uh, for your career? I just watched a video on Instagram, very inspiring about your backstory. Talk a little bit about, you know, what it could do for you moving forward, fighting with uh, HBO. Well, as, as fighters, you know, when you have managers and promoters who, you know, kind of are, you know, their their job is to, you know, make you a superstar. But then you have a network, you know, and a network job is really, I mean, there are, HBO is one of the big premier and biggest networks that's out there. So if you're directly affiliated with a network, then that's, you know, that's guaranteed success, especially you know, if they're investing into you, so that means that they want to make you a superstar that's so everybody can win across the board. And uh, it's just a win-win situation for me. I think uh, this opportunity in my life and my career, this new chapter, is going to be a great one. Um, but like I said, um, having a network back you is, uh, is one of the greatest things that a fighter can dream for because, you know, from shuffling before previously I was shuffling between 
people affiliated in the boxing world. But now that I'm stuck with someone and now that I'm, I have someone who's going to back me and, and, and they have that outlet that is huge, uh, I think it's going to be a, a recipe for success. We're talking with the Miracle Man, Danny Jacobs. He fights November 11th against Luis Arias. And I don't want to uh, talk about too much of the past, but uh, a fight with your fight with Triple G, it could be a, a rematch. You know, should he fight Canelo again? That fight hasn't been made, but we think it's going to be made. And he should win that. A rematch between you and Triple G will, it's, is a fight that could possibly be made. If you can go back, going back on that performance, what would you change against uh, Triple G? Uh, it probably would have been just a little bit more aggressive. Uh, probably wouldn't have been on the back foot a little bit as I have. Uh, but, you know, I just think that sometimes these judges, they uh, they judge fight differently. And I think what should be changed in the sport of boxing is uh, the criteria of judges and what they expect so that we can know what we're getting ourselves into. Because what I can feel like is a masterful performance, you know, a judge might feel like is, you know, maybe lackluster or not giving me the points because it's not desirable to him or her. So for me, I think that with the scoring, the way they scored the fight, obviously these judges are looking at more uh, of an aggressive, aggressive style of a fight. And uh, for me, I just have to uh, you know implement that just a little bit more than what I have. Well, something that not a lot of fans know is that in that fight, you actually outlanded Triple G in power, 145 to 127. Not uh, is a feat that doesn't really happen too often. So it's interesting that you, you bring up the judges there because a lot of times they see something that you don't see. Look at, you know, with Adelaide Bird. What, would you, what are your thoughts on, on, on the judging and the whole thing that happened with Adelaide Bird as well? <laughs> uh, I don't really want to comment too much about that because the public already spoke about that yeah. and how they feel about her and her judging. Uh, I just feel like, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't want her to judge any of my fights uh, in the future or, you know, I definitely wouldn't want to see anybody have to go through something like that that just was not really that wasn't good box, uh that wasn't good judging at all and uh, for me i just i just like i said i have to take things into my hands and if i can get a knockout or if i can be dominant and be aggressive uh more than i have been then uh you know it's a, it's a step up and it's a step in the right direction but to answer your question about miss bird man, <laughs> i just think that uh i won't say she's bad for the sport but that scorecard that she had with uh, Canelo and Triple G was just absurd. It, yeah, it was absurd, and she's she's back judging. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, that's a that's a story for a story for another day. But I saw you at Gleason's uh, gym last week, and you came in with uh, Chris Algieri, and as we saw in the lead up to your fight with Triple G, he's now a part of your camp, uh, bringing the nutrition side to the games. Talk a little bit about your relationship with Algieri, and is he cooking up you uh, any good meals for you lately, man? <laughs> now Chris is awesome um, and the good thing about Chris is that he's been at this level before he's been at this stage before he knows combat and he knows the fighter's mentality so you know when you have a former world champion you know there with you every day going through your ups and your downs but most importantly making sure you get the right nutrition it's like a it's a, it's a great 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 situation to be in um, you know our relationship has grown uh, in these last two fights as well. So, you know, now he's like family. He knows all of my family, and, you know, and I, and I know him very well and his family as well. So you know, I just think that him being added to my team is just a great situation that I look forward to having him, you know, in every fight possible from here on out. 
Now, Danny, you're 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 entering a, a very important stage in your career. Uh, you changed promoters. You're on a new network. You, you want to seek out the biggest fights. What do you want to see? How do you want to see your career maybe three, four years from now? How do you want it to play out? Well, God, woman, if everything can go uh, according to plan, I would be the undisputed middleweight champion of the world. Um, I would have probably moved up for some important fights, maybe a super middleweight, and then go off to the sunset. You know, I want to be a Hall of Famer. That's my ultimate goal. Um, you know, but it all takes one fight at a time. And uh, I can't really look past, you know, what some would consider the, 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 the small steps, like the Louis Arias and, you know, near uh, the opponents in the near future if they're not top five. You know, I still really can't look over these guys because they are still on the uh, the progress to, uh, I mean, they're on my way, my progress to greatness. So, you know, that's just really what I have to do is stay headstrong and uh, be true to my sport and be dedicated to it and hope that all can come out um, great. No, it's, it's, you got the right mentality, and you're taking it one step at a time. And I tell you what, we're really looking forward to seeing you back in the ring. We want to see you in the big fights, and it's good to see you uh, on HBO with a network uh, that supports you. One last message you have for the middleweight division, Danny Jacobs. Um, I'm here, and um, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time uh, for the fans, most importantly. But I'm looking to make a name for myself. 2018 is gonna be that year. Um, and yeah, I mean, best of luck to everyone, but I'm here to make a name for myself and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not holding no bars, <laughs> no holds bar, you know? I like it, man. I appreciate you taking some time and we'll, we'll hope to see you ringside and, uh, good luck with everything, my man. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. That's Danny Jacobs, the miracle man, uh, fighting November 11th versus Luis Arias, uh, one of the true gentlemen of the sport. And he's got the right mentality. You know, obviously, when he signed with Matchroom and he made the move to HBO, it was a very calculated move for Danny and uh, his manager, Keith Connolly. So shout out to Keith Connolly for getting us, uh, Danny, to come on the show. But he wants Triple G again. He wants Canelo. He wants Saunders. He wants Lemieux. Andrade. I mean, HBO has invested in the 160-pound division, so it made sense to bring in Danny Jacobs, but he's got the right mentality when it comes to, you know, taking it one fight at a time. You're not going to look past Luis Arias. You know, you're not going to look past, you know, uh, that fight because we all know that in the second half of 2018 or maybe in the middle of 2018, he's going to get a Canelo. He's going to get a Triple G. He could get Saunders. That's probably more likely. He might get the Saunders-Lemieux winner and then Triple G, Canelo winner in late 2018. Wants to fight three times. Wants to get it going, and I love it. So uh, big things coming from the miracle man, Danny Jacobs. Top story that we're talking about today at Inside Boxing Live. Uh, don't forget to tweet us at CompuBox using the hashtag IBL. We like to interact with you because Inside Boxing Live is the show for the fans. But a lot of the talk in the boxing world uh, today is about Anthony Joshua. Uh, put on a performance over the weekend in front of 78,000 fans in Cardiff, Wales, taking out Carlos Takam. In uh, 10 rounds, we had big baby uh, Jarrell Miller on the, on the program. Wasn't exactly uh, too complimentary of, uh, of Joshua. You know, get that I wasn't expecting him to, to praise him because he could potentially be fighting him in 2018. But as for the performance from Joshua, I mean, he was great. 
I mean, he was good, not great. I mean, he was measured. He was a little more poised. He, you know, he, for my liking, he was a little too, he was too much headhunting. And that's something that uh, Jarrell Miller talked about too, that he probably could have went to the body a little more. And Jarrell Miller is a fighter that likes to go to the body himself. But the heavyweight division right now, I mean, you take a look, everything that's going on in the heavyweight division, it's hot right now. I mean, it's 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 getting its its luster back, and it's getting you know its power back, for lack of a better term. But you know, Anthony Joshua, you take a look at that crowd. I mean, seventy eight thousand fans, and he's fighting a guy in Takam that was a it was a late replacement. This is a, a a mandatory defense. This isn't a Klitschko. I'm almost more impressed with this crowd against Takam than I was for the seventy thousand at Wembley for Klitschko, because that's a that's a name. So Anthony Joshua right now is the face of boxing. I think he's supplanted Canelo Alvarez. I think that it's Anthony Joshua's, it's his time right now. I don't see Canelo putting 80,000 butts in the seats. I don't see the fans, the Mexican fans, clamoring undisputedly for Canelo like they, the Brits do for Anthony Joshua. He's got the gold medal. That's how he uh, got onto the scene. And, you know, Eddie Hearn is in a little bit of a predicament here. He's in a great spot, let's be honest. He's got, you know, the face of boxing for the next 10 years. But it's going to come down to, does he want to take Anthony Joshua away from this market? You know, Anthony Joshua is going to want to fight in America. He's going to want to fight in the States. He's going to want to fight in, you know, an MSG or a Barclays Center in the biggest, uh, you know, the media capital of the world. But that's also, you know, you're not going to get 70,000 fans unless they do it at, at Cowboy Stadium. You know, so uh, Hearn is in is in a little bit of a spot here on what he wants to do. He's got great options. He can fight uh, Jamel Miller. He can fight Big Baby Miller 2018, maybe in New York City at Barclays Center. He can fight Dillian White. He can fight Joseph Parker, who also has a belt. You know, Dillian White won his fight against Robert Hellenius. Was it a great fight? No, it wasn't a great performance, but he won. So he kept, he keeps his name in there. But the heavyweight division, there's a lot going on, a lot of guys angling. And then, of course, you have Deontay Wilder, the American WBC heavyweight champion of the world, who's fighting Brian Stavern Saturday at the Barclays Center. There was, you know, Eddie Hearn said a lot of things after the fight, and one of those being that in February at the O2 Arena, he has a hold on early February where he wants Wilder to fight Dillian White. And Wilder's like, I'll do it. I'll fight Dillian White if it guarantees me a fight with Joshua and that's when Hearn was like no that's not how it works but you know they're all angling right now so I think Wilder would be very smart should he get past Stavern as as we all think he will to fight a Dillian White overseas that'd be his first fight overseas he could you know introduce himself to that market and he's playing the game he's playing the game with Hearn because if we saw anything on Saturday night is that Anthony Joshua is the clear-cut a-side in this fight He's bringing the fans. He's bringing the markets. He's bringing the the viewers. You know, hate to say it, but Deontay Wilder is 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 he's not doing that. He's got his fan base, but he's not doing anything Joshua numbers. So I'm really keeping an eye on the heavyweight division. You know, we talked to Jamel Miller earlier in, in the program. He had a message for the heavyweights. He said, "You can run, but you can't hide." I mean, he, he you know he's another name to look out for. But from that, we're going to transition right now into one of my uh, favorite segments on the program. It's the hype train. Now, this, the hype train could be anything that I am excited about, anything that I'm pumped up for. It could be a fighter. It could be a venue. It could be some newsworthy uh, a tidbit in the news in the boxing world. But what I'm pumped up for right now 
is the World Boxing Super Series, and most notably, Murat Gassiev. I mean, this dude is a beast. He won his quarterfinal matchup in the World Boxing Super Series. Third round body shot KO. Take a look at his, some of his highlights. This dude is a monster. And you see him move around the ring, cut off the ring. You can see how he comes from that Abel Sanchez school of teaching. Cutting off the ring, going to the body. And you see little flashes of Golovkin. When I was watching that fight, I was just taking a look at his footwork and how he was cutting off the ring. You know, He cuts off the ring almost better than Golovkin does. And he took out his opponent three rounds, got him in and out, which should bode well for him with the, bo the World Boxing Super Series. And I want to talk a little bit about how much of a success the World Boxing Super Series is. And you know, you got to take your hat off to Richard Schaefer and Ringstar Promotions. I mean, Richard Schaefer, we should have known that he was going to do something like this. I mean, the guy has a great track record, whether it was with Golden Boy when De La Hoya had his issues and, and Schaefer was kind of running the show for Golden Boy brought it to the top, uh, whether it's you know dealing with Floyd Mayweather and kind of helping him navigate his pay-per-view career. Richard Schaefer knows what he's doing. So when he had his little timeout from boxing during that whole lawsuit where he couldn't have a non-compete, the wheels were turning in his head, and what he came up with was the World Boxing Super Series, kind of like a little bit of play off of the Super 6 that Showtime did a few years back. But this one seems like it's more organized, and it's got better fighters in it. I mean, the cruiserweight division, I mean, used to be thought of as the, the armpit. It used to be thought of as the stepping stone to the heavyweight division. But, I mean, look at this this tournament we got here. Take a look at the, the brackets there. Usyk, number one seed. He had an impressive win. He goes up against Bradis in the semifinals. And then you got two KO artists in Gasseyev going up against Dortikos. I mean... You can't, get, you can't ask for more from the World Boxing Super Series. I mean, they, they sell out the arenas. You look at the interest in it worldwide. I think Schaefer was very smart to do these fights at different locations, you know, whether it's in the A-side's hometown or home city, you know, Latvia, England. You know, they're in Germany. They have the big light ceremonies, and it's a big production, and the fans are, are into it. The only knock that I have on it, and it's, it's that maybe they underestimated the type of uh, appeal it would have. And response is that it's not on. It's not on US TV. There's no network that's picked it up so far. You had the audience uh, network, which is, uh, is is a network that's only picked up on Direct TV. So th it was a small audience. They need to get on an HBO or Showtime. Maybe I don't know ESPN is kind of has their hands full with, with the top rank deal. And Epics, you know, Epics is looking to get back into boxing, as we highlighted in the last show. They're trying to bring back the Contender series. Maybe Epics will want to air it. I mean, you got to get some eye more eyeballs on this because we're setting up some huge fights in 2018. I mean, Gro uh, Cox and um, uh, Groves and Eubank—that's that, a—I mean—that's a, I mean, that's a can't-miss fight. I mean, in, in addition to the cruiserweights, you got the super middleweight bracket too—the 168. Groves and Eubank are going to fight early 2018. Callum Smith—he's going to get in there, do his thing. I mean, it's been a great success, and I'm—I would not be surprised to see how they handle this in in 2018. Or 2019, are they going to do lower weights? I know Rigondeau responded to a tweet from World Boxing Super Series. They had a little back and forth saying, Rigondeau said, I'd do this, you know, at 122 to 130. So the fighters are interested in it, and the people love the bracket style. It just, it just settles who's the best in the division. I mean, it's going to be hard to do it with divisions, you know, maybe 140, 147. You could probably wipe that out because of the politics of boxing. They just got lucky with the super middleweight bracket in the cruiserweight division of fighters that are willing to fight, that the schedule's all lined up, and I think it's a great thing. So hats off to 
Richard Schaefer of Ringstar. We have to get him on the program uh, moving forward. But Murat Gassia is a guy to look forward to fighting here at the World Boxing Super Series. All right, it's time for my favorite segment of the show. It's Twitter hitters. These are the tweets coming right from the source, right from the boxer's fingers and thumbs as they get on their keyboards and they type away. Uh, our first one comes from Vasil Lomachenko. He's get, gearing up for Riginton now. He's out having a nice, easy time in his camp, taking some time out from training to kick the soccer ball. This guy can do it all. Lefty, no less. Posted a nice little video. Probably didn't think it was going to get any uh, blowback, but of course, uh, Riginton now was waiting. He was waiting at his laptop, and he types this up. This summarizes your boxing career. You versus no one, or you versus an easy opponent. No more of that. On December 9th, I will be the goalie. Be ready. And if you follow Rigondeau, you can see that these are the types of tweets that he's constantly firing off. Whether it's him actually behind the Twitter account, because I know that Triple G may or may not do his Twitter because he speaks like as a caricature of himself. Rigondeau is the same way. I mean, he loves to get on Twitter and interact, and he's been chirping back and forth with Rigondeau, with uh, Lomachenko. So I expect more of that to go on. Of course, uh, send us your, your tweets here for Twitter hitters. Moving on with the next one. Of course, what would it be a Twitter segment without Amir Khan? What is Amir Khan talking about these days? A fight with Kell Brook? Maybe another getting back into the ring against a formidable opponent? No, no, no. Uh, Amir Khan's calling out Floyd Mayweather. Of course. Uh, he says, in any fight I've ever, I've ever been, I've never been outboxed. Mayweather Khan would be a game of chess. Speed, movement, and accuracy will cause him problems. Amir Khan just doesn't get it, man. <laughs> Amir Khan has himself a potential big fight with Kell Brook down the line. Or it could happen in 2018. But he's fixated on the past. He's, we know from Amir Khan he was fixated on getting that Mayweather fight, fixated on, on fighting Pacquiao. He got Canelo. You know, which he got iced in. He fought beautifully for, you know, how many of the rounds he lasted before he got knocked out cold. But why not just, like, just have some awareness? He's living in a fantasy world if he's calling out Floyd Mayweather. And we talk about a fight with, with him and Kell Brook. Kell Brook saw that tweet. He probably saw what, thought what everyone was thinking. And he responded. If you want to play kiss chase with retired men, shame, really. Get in with me, and I'll fast-track you into collecting your pension. That's a well-crafted tweet. I mean, Rigondeaux are kind of corny. That one was good. Kell Brook brought the heat with that one. Didn't just say, you know, why don't you just fight me? I'll fast-track you into straight collecting your pension. That's sophisticated trash talk. That's what we like to see on Twitter hitters. And I want to see Kell Brook and Amir Khan finally get their fight done. It's a fight that both guys coming off losses but they're still marketable overseas they're always in good exciting fights give me that fight enough of Khan calling out Mayweather calling out Pacquiao just just stop with that Khan moving forward with Twitter haters this is a good one so Sky Sports a big network over across over the pond puts out a poll is Anthony Joshua's is Anthony Joshua Britain's greatest heavyweight ever that's when Lennox Lewis chimed in, responded to the tweet. Things like this make me wonder who's running Sky Sports Net these days. AJ is thumbs up good, but is this really what's on their minds over there? Like, who, what intern decided to tweet that? Who got caught up in the moment thinking that Anthony Joshua is the greatest heavyweight from Britain? Yeah, he could be one day, but let's not forget 
about Lennox Lewis, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, regardless of where he comes from, the Jamaican Brit. The dude retired on top. That's not even a question. I mean, that's just, sometimes these, these guys get a little ahead of themselves and, you know, who knows who's running the social media at Sky Sports, but maybe they should have thought that one out before you hit send on the phone. What else do we got here? Moving forward, Twitter here. It wouldn't be a segment without Tyson Fury checking in. So Tyson Fury's seeing everything that's going on in the heavyweight division right now, and he's sitting at home, 400 pounds, and he's putting those Twitter fingers to work because he feels like he's left out. So he tweeted, if Anthony Joshua adopts the Mike Tyson style versus me, I'll adopt the Muhammad Ali style that's coming back after years out and beating the bully. I mean, you had... Eddie Hearn in the ring against after Joshua. What was the first name that came out of his mouth? Tyson Fury. Not Wilder. Not Dillian White. Not Jarrell Miller. Tyson Fury. He wants that fight. It was a fight that was almost inevitable a few years back when Joshua was just on, his, on the come up. And Tyson Fury had just taken out Vladimir Klitschko. But we all know what happened to Tyson Fury. He's 400 pounds. He has going through some personal issues that are nothing to laugh about. But I want to see a comeback. Everyone loves a good comeback story. Tyson Fury, does he have the most exciting style in the ring? Absolutely not. But the, he brings with him a certain flair, and uh, he can talk. I think they'll build up for a, a potential uh, Joshua Fury fight. will be tremendous. And, of course, he sings in the ring after. But that's only if he wins. So I, I want to see. I'm rooting for Tyson Fury. Tyson, if you're watching this, keep tweeting. Keep you know, Stop eating. And we want to see you in the ring. Ending out our Twitter hitter segment here is a guy that was probably going to be featured every week. Because Mikey Garcia enjoys Twitter. And he is a free agent. And he likes to answer his uh, critics. He likes to answer the fans. He also likes to answer... Golden Boy matchmaker and executive, Eric Gomez, at Make a War. That's a very good follow if you want to follow a, a guy that's very candid, is Eric Gomez. Matchmaker at Golden Boy tweeted, At Mikey Garcia, if you are serious about wanting to fight Jorge Linares, call me. No options, no extra fights, straight up, hashtag no excuses. The pre-story to this is that we all know that Mikey Garcia called out Cotto on Twitter in everywhere. And the story on that was, which was revealed on Twitter from Mikey Garcia, was that they offered, uh, Golden Boy offered him the Cotto fight with the stipulation that he fights maybe two or three fights on Golden Boy afterwards, which they call that in the business options. So, yeah, we'll give you your, your, one of your biggest paydays of your career, biggest fight of your career against Cotto, but you have to stick with Golden Boy. You have to stick with us for two to three fights afterwards. Standard procedure in boxing. Garcia said no. I'm going to uh, stay with the course of what I'm doing right now. I can get big fights. But apparently, uh, Eric Gomez says that he can fight Linares straight up. No options. None of that stuff. And I think uh, Garcia responded. And he said, dude, you have my phone number. No need to put this out on Twitter. Which was an interesting response because Mikey Garcia puts everything on Twitter. But when he gets called out about, you know, no excuses, that's when he pulls the whole you know, hit me up on my on my cell phone, not on Twitter. So it's just always something with boxing, always something with the boxing Twitter. I mean, from the, the, the trolls out there to the guys that are following along on the, on, the, on the fight night to the actual fighters. These guys have a lot of time on their hands. 
and they uh, have to promote themselves somehow. It's not a team sport. You're not going to get in trouble for tweeting something crazy. I mean, we've seen that with Twitter herders. Of course, you can always submit your favorite tweets, or if you see something on Twitter that you think is hilarious coming from a fighter, tweet us at CompuBox, tweet us at Dan Canelbio. We'll make sure to get it featured on uh, Twitter hitters. We had the chance to talk to Dimitri Salida. He's the promoter for Big Baby Miller, who fights on November 11th at the Nassau Coliseum on HBO. Is a big name in the heavyweight division. Could be fighting in 2018 versus some of the big names in the sport. Don't forget to check it out on our YouTube page. Here are some of the highlights from that interview. Joining us now, Inside Boxing, we are with the promoter for Jarrell Miller and Clarissa Shields. He's Dimitri Salida. How you doing, Dimitri? Everything is great. Thanks for having me on. Now, uh, you got your start as, as an ex-boxer. You had a, a nice little career for yourself, and now you're in the promotion game. Talk a little bit about how you went from pro fighter and then now with your promoter hat on. Well, I promoted several of my fights myself, and after I fought for the world title and lost to Amir Khan, I really wanted to get back to fighting very soon, and I just didn't have the right opportunity and kind of the right deal. So, you know, I kind of thought to myself, you know, I have a great following in New York City. Why don't I just start and see how it goes? And we started it, and, you know, and our first several shows were great success. And then different fighters, uh, you know, I had a great, great relationship with the fighters, with the trainers, with the managers from growing up in New York City, from growing up in the boxing gyms. And uh, they started to reach out uh, to me and asking me to be put on the shows. And I put them on without signing them. Uh, you know, Jarrell's actually one of these guys that put on my show. Louis Colasso, Will Rosinski. Um, I mean, just a bunch of fighters from New York that are very, very good world-class fighters. Uh, and then, about a little more than three years ago, we really developed this infrastructure and uh, started doing stuff consistently outside of my fights. And, uh, you know, then we started signing fighters, like, you know, good fighters like Joel Miller and, and, and other New York talent. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I started to progress them slowly but surely now dimitri you talk about your relationship with jarrell miller and uh he's signed to your promotion company uh he's got a big fight november 11th at, at nassau coliseum uh, i don't want to look past that fight but he's a name that's being thrown around in the heavyweight division as a potential opponent for anthony joshua uh also with deontay wilder talk a little bit about how you signed and when you signed uh jarrell miller and uh, what you saw in him at that time well, I know Jarrell for a very long time. I know from the New York gyms. He's a little bit younger than I am. And he used to be in my training camps in the Poconos. Um, and uh, then when I started to uh, promote shows, I put him on, uh, you know, before signing him. And it was really amazing to me that Jarrell was so talented and has such a, such a bright personality and has so much guts, you know, to get in the ring and fight the best. He had this since he's very young. And I was really, you know... Uh, Unsure why some of them kind of, you know, bigger promoters at that time and more established didn't pay attention to Jurgel. Uh, and but I thought that he was, you know, a, a diamond in the rough. And we started to keep him busy. He progressed, uh, you know, in a Brooklyn Brawl series in New York. And, uh, you know, uh, we built him as the best American heavyweight. And I feel that there's a real need for an American heavyweight, for a Brooklyn American heavyweight. A Brooklyn, New York guy that's following in the footsteps of Riddick Bowe and Mike Tyson. There's a lot of boxing fans that still have a nostalgic feeling of the great days of the American heavyweights, of the Brooklyn heavyweights. 
And Jarrell is not only a very talented, great fighter, but he also has a tremendous personality. And, you know, he uh, is the type of guy that you want to hug outside the ring, but when you get inside the ring, he's going to kick your butt. <laughs> and so he's really has a lot of uh, ingredients that you just can't teach and you can't uh, promote. They're just He's just born with that kind of stuff. And... Uh, and another great thing about Burrell is that he talks the talk and he walks the walk. You know, he wants to fight the best fighters in the division. Uh, and, you know, he has done so in a best fight. Um, and he's doing so again. And he's taking a step up and he wants to fight the best available guys out there. And I think that with his personality and his skills, he really has the ability to cross for, uh, to the non-boxing and to really, uh, you know, bring even more excitement to the now yeah, I mean, we had him on our show, and uh, he's a very personable guy. I I've met him a few times over the years. Uh, you're absolutely right. A big teddy bear type of personality, but he he's willing to fight anyone. And uh, he's a very hot commodity right now in the heavyweight division. There's rumors of him potentially fighting Anthony Joshua or Dillian White. Have you had any discussions with uh, Eddie Hearn about Jarrell Miller? Well, very general. You know, we take it one fight at a time. Uh, you know, obviously... If those guys come to the United States, you know, Jarrell Miller is on top of their list. Uh, but again, we take it one fight at a time, and Jarrell has a very big fight of, uh, ahead of him with a top 10 heavyweight on November 11th in Nassau Coliseum on HBO. And we're very focused on that, and Jarrell's very focused on getting himself in great condition and being able to perform in front of his hometown fans. And I feel, uh, you know, based on everything I see and, and, and what I hear from his trainers and what I see myself in the gym, Jarrell's really. Uh, and Walk is a very tough guy. He's won 12 rounds with, with Klitschko. Mm -hmm. uh, he's he's some of the best guys in the world, and he's a really durable guy. And there's very few guys that are bigger and taller than Jarrell. And Walk, <laughs> we did the pre-fight press conference. Uh, you know, he's taller than Jarrell, and he's a really big guy. So it's very rarely when Jarrell looks up at somebody, <laughs> uh, but he was looking up at Walk. So I think that's going to present a different kind of challenge. And uh, I think it's going to be a very exciting fight. But I expect Jarrell to put an explosive, tremendous performance on November 11th at Nassau Coliseum. Dimitri Salida, Salida Promotions. Very interesting interesting guy. Uh, Ex-fighter, fighting out of Brooklyn, New York. Not an ex-fighter, he said he still fights. But uh, he, he had a nice career. He fought Amir Khan. Uh, he's been in the ring with some greats, and now he's putting his promotional hat on, and he's got some uh, two big, big-time fighters, and Jarrell Miller and uh, Kalisha Shields. So uh, big things coming from uh, Jarrell Miller, and it's interesting because he's in a very good spot, Jarrell Miller. So should uh, he win on November 11th, and Eddie Hearn comes calling, or Lou DiBella comes calling with uh, Deontay Wilder, uh, Dimitri Salida is going to answer that phone call. And uh, he's going to try to get his man the biggest fight. But you're watching Inside Boxing Live, Dimitri Salida. Thank you very much. All right, time to end the show on a positive note, as we always do. It's time for the good hook of the week. And uh, this week it comes from Oscar De La Hoya, Miguel Cotto, and Golden Boy Promotions. As we all know, uh, Miguel Cotto has a fight coming up uh, December 2nd. The last of his career will be going down at Madison Square Garden. And Golden Boy... Miguel Cotto and Oscar De La Hoya all uh, announced that the proceeds from the ticket sales from this fight will go towards relief for Puerto Rico as they uh, are still uh, fighting back and they are still trying to get uh, their country there up, back, and going. 
So it's good to see this in boxing. It's good to see, you know, them doing something. I mean, I know there was a lot of, of talk about uh, what could they do. And I knew Miguel Cotto was going to do something. He's a very proud countryman from uh, Puerto Rico. So December 2nd, in his final fight, I'm sure there's going to be a heavy uh, Puerto Rican contingent. As we know, Cotto, he brings those fans with him, especially at Madison Square Garden. So good on De La Hoya. Good on Cotto um, donating their proceeds uh, to aid those in Puerto Rico still looking for relief. Also, uh, Felix Trinidad, uh, also obviously from Puerto Rico, he uh, brought up a very uh, cool little idea here. Maybe he can get into the ring with Oscar De La Hoya in a charity matchup between uh, two 44-year-olds. And that would actually be kind of cool. You know, maybe they set up for four to six rounds. And, uh, you know, the, the proceeds from that, I, I mean, I would tune in. I think a lot of people would tune in if you maybe put it on a, on a stream and charge, you know, five bucks or with a stream with a, a running side with, uh, you know, people that can donate there. I know that CompuBox would be down to, to count the punches for that one. Who knows? Maybe the this this second fight will be better than the first one. I mean, the first one, the first six rounds were fun, and the final six were uh, pretty dull. So maybe they can make up for it here. Uh, with six rounds of, of boxing that goes towards a charity. So that's something to keep your eye on here is uh, Oscar De La Hoya, Felix Trinidad, maybe getting into the ring for charity terms. But good on De La Hoya, Golden Boy, and Mikel Cotto for donating uh, to the cause there over in uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, that's going to be it for the show. Uh, Nick, do you, ha- do you have anything? I know it's uh, Halloween week. Uh, this past weekend, you know, a lot of people had Halloween parties. I know that you're going to be... Uh, dealing with the trick-or-treaters with your daughter and uh, anything you got anything going on are they going to be coming to the house on on uh, this week at Halloween I hope so uh, my wife Paige bought about 10 pounds of candy so uh, I'm either going to hand them out or I'm going to get 10 pounds fatter uh, what about the, the egg you worrying about people throwing eggs at the house I don't think that. Not, not in my neighborhood. We, we live in the suburb. It's, it, it's good. I don't think we have to worry about that. Uh, what about you? Uh, I had a party Saturday night in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, it was a great night. I had a pretty good costume. I got a lot of good feedback on my costume. Uh, Actually, we, we do have a picture of that. All right, in there. Oh, there it is. The fighting pride of Ireland. Yeah, that's me. That's Conor McGregor. Uh, it's about five pounds of fake tattoos on my chest. I don't know if anyone noticed during the show. I, I got them off of my neck yesterday, but there are still some remnants all over my chest. You can see I couldn't get it off. Uh, I mean, it was a good night. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of tattoos. I could, I don't think I could ever live with those many tattoos, but it was a great night. We had a party over in Brooklyn. Uh, I was running around with money. I had the CompuBox uh, microphone. I was calling out Pauli Malinaji left and right. Uh, I know he's also from Brooklyn. I was screaming, where is, where is Malinaji? I, I think want, we found him. I want Malinaji. Oh, oh, geez. Wow. Apparently, Paulie uh, thinks it's Halloween, too. Take a look at that. Wow, the magic man. Yeah, I think I can take him. I think I can take Paulie. I know that he's still clamoring for that fight on Twitter any chance he can get. That's just a, not a sight that I want to see right there from Paulie Malinaji. But that's it. That's the show. Uh, thank you to everyone. Uh, Danny Jacobs. Thank you to Jarrell Miller for calling in. Great work from you, Nicholas. As always, uh, don't forget to tweet us at CompuBox using the hashtag IBL with your thoughts, your opinions, questions, anything. You can always tweet me too at Dan Canobio. Always remember, Inside Boxing Live is the show for the fans. We'll see you next week, Inside Boxing Live.
Thanks for watching. Hope you enjoyed the video. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube page. I pity the fool who doesn't.